What's up, guys? What's going on? This is the second episode, episode number two of the Spun Today podcast. I am your host, Tony Ortiz. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. Um, as always, I'm going to apologize for the sound quality. Again, I'm recording this currently off an iPhone app, and in the future, you know, we'll work on building up the quality of this thing. But for now, it is what it is, so we'll make do. And it actually didn't sound that bad, um, uh, to, at least to me anyway, but obviously I'm biased. Uh, episode number one, uh, I re-listened to some of it, and um, uh, sound quality-wise, sound sounded pretty decent, actually, I thought. Content-wise, I won't uh, attest to that <laughs> too much, but um, but yeah, here we are. Uh this episode is probably not going to be as long as the first one. I really didn't think that one was going to be as long as it was. Um, I honestly thought it was going to be like a 15-20 minute introduction type of thing. And then I just got really involved and uh, into explaining the different podcasts and stuff like that that I listened to. Uh, but this one, I expect it to be a bit shorter. And that's uh, pretty much it. I want to start off with a story from Stephen King's book on writing. Uh, after all, you know, I'm um, gearing this podcast towards uh, having to do with writing. Or maybe not mainly writing, but at least heavy on writing. And what better way to do that than to speak of a story of on writing by Stephen King. Um, basically, it's the story of Carrie and how he created it. It's something, it's a story that resonated with me. It was motivational, inspirational, touching. It was a pretty dope story. Um, if you guys haven't read that book and you're into writing in any way or or just fans of Stephen King and his work, and want a little insight into, uh, you know, a, a non-fiction view of him, and his, uh, not complete life story, but uh, a pretty decent uh, snapshot of it, definitely pick that up, it's called On Writing, and he goes into pretty much the details of the craft, of his process, uh, what he does, like, you know, the real nuts and bolts of it. The brass tacks of, you know, just literally sitting down in your chair and getting the work done. And he goes into his specific process of of doing that. And throughout the book, he tells stories of, you know, different, different works that he's published. And just a bunch of interesting stuff in there. I definitely recommend it. And you guys should check it out. And if I was successful in selling you on that idea, definitely go to my website, spuntoday.com. Click on the Amazon link or the Amazon banner, rather, that is found on the contact tab of my website. And it'll forward you straight to Amazon's website. You can search for the book in there, purchase it through there. And Amazon will kick me back a small commission 
for just driving traffic to their site. This will help me develop from the poor iPhone quality uh, recordings of this podcast to something a bit more respectable. So, you know, definitely if you want to help out, that's a great way to do it. And again, it doesn't cost you anything extra. It uh, It's just a, a commission that Amazon provides to its affiliates for just driving traffic to, to their site. Also, before I get into the story, um, just a, another bit of house cleaning or housekeeping, rather, whatever you crazy kids are calling it nowadays. The Spun Today podcast is now officially available on iTunes. Uh, it's also avail- available on Stitcher. And, of course, on the podcast section of the SpunToday.com website. Uh, please subscribe, download, rate, and uh, spread the word if you know anything that you hear on this thing resonates with you in any way and you're interested in it, want to continue listening to it. Uh, want it to grow, become more popular, you know, just uh, spread the word a bit, rate it, download, subscribe. Really appreciate it. Now, I've told the story a couple of, t- of times to a few people um, that I thought uh, might actually enjoy the story or be into picking up the book and reading it. So, before I tell the main story that I'm referring to, I, I give a bit of a, a backstory that he also... Uh, mentions in the book but full disclosure because I know I probably butcher some of it um, I haven't read the book or I've read the book um, about a month or two ago probably so you know I'm sure I'll, I'll probably butcher butcher up some of the details but the premise of it is pretty much intact as far as I remember and, you know, just don't get your panties too much in a bunch if a few details are, are off. Uh, pick up the book, read it. I'm sure you'll enjoy it if you even halfway enjoy my little uh, rendition here of, of, of this story. So, when Stephen King was a kid, he had an older brother, or, you know, he still has an older brother. But when he was a kid, he used to enjoy going to the town uh, to watch movies. He, he was always into, like, horror movies and stuff like that. And he used to go with with a buddy of his. Um, he was probably, like, seven, nine years old or something like that. And it was, you know, the type of thing he would he would go to the town, you know, spend, you know, the whole afternoon into the evening there, watch a couple movies with his friend, and um, and go back home. So, his older brother at that time, which was a, a couple years older than him, had some sort of, um, like, printing press type of machine thing where he, that he purchased to, to I, know, I know I'm fucking up the reference with the, the printing press thing, <laughs> it's like, completely predates it, but um, some sort of machine that prints, prints something out, right? So he used to he used to print out like a neighborhood circular kind of thing, and sell it to like his neighbors and his mom's friends and stuff like that, and you know kind of like a little a little business that he had going on. So uh, Stephen King, coming back from 
one of these trips to to the town where you know he saw movies and stuff. He saw this movie that he really really enjoyed it so much that he wanted to write it. Like he literally wanted to take the movie, write it out, and you know to have it for himself, like to read. Before this, he used to do similar things, like he used to literally like transcribe comic books that he was into, and show his mom. And his mom used to used to tell him, "Oh, you know, this is this is pretty cool that you're copying this stuff over, but you know, why don't you write your own thing?" Um, so I guess that started like planting the seed of the idea in his head um, of you know actually writing his own stuff. So at this movie, he went home, and from what he could remember from the movie, he started writing out. Uh, pretty much the movie as he remembered it from beginning to end. And I think he had like nine total pages or something like that of the of the movie or of the story. Then he had the idea of using his brother's printing press machine thing to print copies of this. And I think it would cost him like 15 or 19 cents or something like that. Um, after running off each each little uh, nine-page booklet. And it'll cost him that much, like, in supplies, like paper and, like, the plastic mold thing that he ha- had to use to, to make these copies and ink and stuff like that. Um, he calculated his total cost to be, like, in that range somewhere, like 15 or 19 cents. Point being that he decided that if he sold a few of the books at I think like 25 cents or, or something like that he would make enough of of you know if he sold a handful of books he would make enough of a profit to to pay for all his costs and stuff like that and you know and make some money and he you know he thought he would he would clear like a dollar fifty or two dollars or something like that and he made a bunch of copies went to school and like instantly sold out on all these books uh, all his like little classmates loved them and really enjoyed them, and he had like something like nine or ten or fifteen dollars or something like that by the end of the day, uh, selling his books, and everybody you know really enjoyed them. And his uh, the principal of the of the school or the dean or something like that, some grumpy miserable person. Um, got a hold of, of a copy of the book and called him into her office and, you know, told him, pretty much gave him the whole, why are you writing this type of trash and, you know, you can't be doing things like this, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And pretty much stifling his creativity there, which sucks, um, especially since he was probably on cloud nine after selling so many copies of his book. And uh, she said that he would have to return the money to each and every one of the students that purchased a copy of the book. And she personally went with him around to every person that purchased a copy of the book and made them, you know, refund and exchange the book for for the money. And some of the students actually, as he described, didn't even want to give the books back. Like, they wanted to keep it. That's how, how much they, they liked it. And, um, you know, she's still forced forced their hand into making that that uh, exchange so that's that piece of the story 
that um I like hearing that because it shows his his like will and determination and just like having like that visceral connection to writing since you know from such a young age and that's pretty cool and the fact that you know he obviously he stayed in stayed in his lane like he stayed in line with that with that whole horror uh genre which is which is uh, pretty cool now this next part of the of the story um is around i believe like fast forward from when he's a little kid he's like 9 years old or whatever fast forward till uh post high school um pre-college or during college i believe like around you know that uh time period and it's during the summer and he has a a summer job of cleaning uh of a janitor pretty much a summer job of with a buddy of his of like cleaning up in in uh high school and painting the walls and stuff like that and getting it ready for the for the following school year that, that's coming up I like this part of the story uh that I'm about to tell you guys because it really it takes that that um that mysticism out of out of writing or creating rather and it really shows you where it gives you an idea of where ideas can come from you know what I mean and you guys understand that more I guess after I actually stop bullshitting and just tell you guys a story so he is this is how he he came up with the idea at least for Carrie um so he's in the in the school in the high school cleaning up and stuff and then he goes into the girls bathroom with his buddy and they're you know like, like cleaning and painting the wall or what whatever he notices this this uh like metal box on the wall and he de- he describes he describes it so 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 ill so in an awesome way he says like something to the effect of it's it looks like a or it is a metal box but that's too small to hold hand towels and he finds it weird um, cuz you know in the guys bathroom there's nothing like that there's like a big metal box with um paper towels in it and then there's that in the girls bathroom plus this other little miniature version of that uh metal box and he asks his friend he's like hey what's that for and the guy says oh that's for pussy plugs for you know when girls have their own monthly friend or whatever so it's filled with with tampons and he also notices that in the girls bathroom the showers have curtains and he's like how come you know in the guys bathroom we don't have curtains or anything like that and his buddy tells him i don't know girls are i guess like more self-conscious and stuff like that don't like you know being exposed like that when they're in the shower so his mind starts starts kind of like daydreaming and he starts thinking about a like a self-conscious girl in in the shower with you know a bunch of other girls around you know typical high school um 
instigating and teasing and kids will be kids type of bullshit going on. And he envisions this uh, self-conscious girl getting her period while she's taking a shower. And the curtains not being closed. And then all the girls around her, like, teasing her and getting on her and saying, oh, you're bleeding and this and that. And um, just making her feel like shit, basically. And how like, scared and pissed off and angry uh, she would be in, like, that moment in time. And then this is all, like, while he's, day- he's like, daydreaming about this, this, like, random idea that just popped into his head out of nowhere. Um, then he makes a connection between this situation and a, an article that he read in some, like, obscure magazine somewhere where... It was like some sort of like science uh, magazine. And he read an article of stating something to the effect of women being able to have uh, some sort of uh, telekinesis abilities. And that those abilities are mainly dormant in in most women, but... um, you can see like small tiny signs of them um and these small tiny signs are like heightened during uh that time of the month when women have their periods and he like instantly made like the connection between that article in that obscure magazine and this daydream that he's having about a girl getting ridiculed and embarrassed in front of all her peers in the bathroom while she's bleeding all over the floor in the shower and stuff like that and how angry she is and pissed off. And he meshes both together. And boom, that's where the story of Carrie comes from. You know, she gets back at all these girls by, you know, flipping the fuck out. And using her telekinesis powers to, you know, fuck them up and, you know, get her revenge, basically. And that, to me, is so awesome. Like, that piece of the story. That origin of this carry story um because it, it it just shows how it can like literally just come out of nowhere this guy is at work as a janitor cleaning up a girl's bathroom is daydreaming about one thing makes a connection to some obscure magazine that he read months before um and has the main idea for one of his his definitely his his breakthrough novel and one of his most epic works to date and that's just really awesome that's really inspirational to me but also most even more important more importantly uh takes away the fluff takes away the bullshit takes away the 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 mysticism like i said before of of you know where these like stories come from and you know how this like common misconception of you know only a certain type of person can come up with a certain type of story and you know i you know this cookie cutter black and white type of mentality um or approach when it comes to creating things or or doing anything you know i'm sure you all know people like that where you know they have like this rigid, you know, in order to do this, you have to do this first and A, B, and C, and then comes D. And, you know what I mean? Like there's, there is 
a lot of gray to a, a lot of things, most of the things that we do. Um, that's not set in stone. That's not, you have to follow this exact path. You can follow your own path and realize your own, your own dream, your own story, your own whatever it is that you're working on. And this is just, this, uh, th- this piece of the story is just a testament to that. And that's what I like about it. Now, fast forwarding, we went from when he was like a nine-year-old kid um, writing stories about uh, a rewriting uh, a story about a movie that he saw to fast forwarding to post high school when he is a janitor and daydreams and gets the idea uh, or the premise of the story of Carrie. Uh, fast forward now to he is married, I believe, has two kids and is working as a teacher at a school. Um, I don't, I think it's a high school. I don't remember if it's a high school or if, or if it's a, a college level, like English class or something like that. But he's definitely working as a teacher and it's something that uh, his mother like advised him to to get a job to fall back on uh, just in case the whole writing thing didn't pan out because you know he always maintained um, he always worked towards uh, becoming the writer that he wanted to be uh, he was always you know submitting uh, short stories to various magazines and he would get a bunch of denials but he would also get approved and and published rather um in uh, short story magazines and you know he would make a hundred bucks here 50 bucks there 500 bucks there he won a um, like a pretty big deal uh, prize for one of his short stories and um you know it was extra income but it was the process that he was going to uh it was a means to an end and um as a backup plan he followed his mother's advice and you know finished college and got his degree to to become a teacher or a professor. Um, during this time, he used to write wherever he could. Um, him, his wife, and his children were living very, very modestly. Um, I believe they lived in, in uh, trailers at one point in time, like trailer park type of thing. Um, I know they... Uh, had an apartment that was really small and they couldn't afford to have a house phone and you know back when this took place I don't remember the years exactly I think the mid 70s early 80s or something like that there weren't cell phones and stuff like that so it was uh, pretty much a house phone or nothing and they couldn't afford a house phone Uh, they had a, a sickly daughter that they could barely afford the the medicine for for her so, continuing to write and um, get his stories submitted and some stories picked up um, helped to make ends meet uh, for them, for him and his family. I know he also he also had like a, a shit car that had a fucked up transmission that would always give him problems and stuff like that, and. It was by no stretch of the imagination any lavish type of lifestyle or anything like that 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 they were living. 
they're really struggling. But he kept on writing every chance he got, and he started trying to uh, develop this this Carrie story. And he wrote a few pages or something like that of a first draft, and wound up getting frustrated with it, uh, realizing that he's a dude and his whole cast of characters was uh, basically all high school chicks and he didn't really know how to bring those characters to life um he didn't have like um like a connection to those characters and he didn't feel that he could represent them in a real way so he got frustrated with the project and and chucked it pretty much crumbled it threw it in a wastebasket and went on with his day and later on that day or the next day I'm not sure when but soon after his wife was cleaning up his um his like writing area uh, cleaning up the house pretty much and she picked up the carry story out of his his wastebasket the crumpled up uh, papers uh, opened them up and she started reading it and she she really liked it she waited till he got home from from i guess from teaching from working and she told him listen i i was cleaning up and i saw this story and i don't think you should throw throw this one out i really like this one i think you have something here you should continue working on it and he told her you know his doubts with you know being able to to in a real way bring the characters um to life or like in a credible way rather being that they're all girls and you know he's a guy and he doesn't really have too much insight into into that you know a high school girl's world and his wife said that you know with that type of of thing she could help him out uh with that type of i guess like the character development aspect of it and um that aside from that he should definitely continue writing it and they spoke about it a, a little bit more and eventually he he took her advice his wife's advice his wife Tabby and wrote Carrie he he continued working on the story and completed it he then submitted it to his management or uh his publishers a uh, company that he was signed up with at the time submitted it like he did everything else like how he used to submit his short stories all the time and stuff like that and um pretty much just wait to hear back a response and you know eventually he even forgot that he submitted it and i am not sure how long it took after um if it was weeks or months but a significant enough amount of time for him to forget that he even submitted it and you know he went on with the rest of his life obviously you know his family caring for his family uh continuing to write and and work as a as a teacher then one day when he was grading papers i believe like on a like on his lunch period or uh he had a break or something like that he gets a call on the loudspeaker in the school saying that he has a call in the main office from his wife uh you know to go to to the main office and and answer the call so at first he he got worried 
um, because, you know, he instantly made the connection of the fact that he doesn't have a phone or they don't have a phone at the house. And there was like a blizzard or a bad snowstorm or something like that outside. So in order for his wife to be on the phone, she would have had to left the house, um, which would entail her taking the kids with her, um, bundling them up, you know, covering them up because of the snow, covering herself up, going to a neighbor's house and borrowing their phone to be able to call him at the school. So in his head, he instantly made the connection of either one of the kids fell and like broke their leg or something like that, or Carrie sold. So he was half excited, happy, and half excited, like, in a scared way, and went to the office, answered his wife's call, and lo and behold, she gave him the good news that um, she got a message from his publisher or agent or whatever the guy is that Carrie sold, and um, the guy left a number for for him for Stephen King to call call him back or something like that and you know pretty much it was just like the greatest news ever and and they were both happy as shit so eventually Stephen King gets in touch with the guy and he lets him know that the book was picked up and that he would be getting a a $2,500 advance um, which at the time was was not good money uh even though it was like the 70s or 80s or whatever uh it wasn't good money for for an advance but he didn't know any better and you know to him and his wife it's it was a lot of money because of just the reality of his current living situation and you know his bills and lack of of comfort and you know the way that him and his family are living you know his sick kid he was now able with the 2500 bucks to to get the medicine that she needed and um i think they got a phone in the house now um with the 2500 bucks and they either fixed the car uh that was having the transmission issues or or he bought a new car or something like that um so that 2500 bucks went a long fucking way given you know relatively speaking and you know it was awesome um for them um then if i remember correctly that night uh him and him and his wife were speaking and um kind of both in this like euphoric type of state where they're like super happy um, and just, like, anxious to see what what happens, and, like, mm-hmm. his wife, he was, like, explaining, I guess, like, the business side of everything to his wife, and what happens next, and how it works, and stuff like that, and how, how much more money they can make, and, but how, like, unlikely it is at the same time, and, but just both of these fucking super happy that the book got picked up at all, and he, he was able to get a $2,500 advance. So his wife pretty much asks him uh, what what's going to happen next. And, like, they stay up, like, all night, like, talking about this type of stuff. And he 
describes to her uh, what happened to, like, a recent, um, I guess, like, you know, the big-time uh, authors of that time period whose names I completely forgot. Um, he explains to her that, you know, they they recently got advances and then got picked up by, by like, a national distributor, publisher company or paperback company, and that that's when... Uh, writers and authors um, really make money uh, when they get that type of distribution deal, which, if that happens, would happen after this stage that he's in now of, you know, getting an advance and getting a, a few uh, uh, books uh, uh, printed. But the likelihood of that happening was, like, slim to none. Um, but, you know, it didn't hurt to dream and... and fantasize about that happening so he explained to her that from what he read in in some uh, writing journal that this author made made like like forty thousand dollars or something like that or sixty thousand dollars um when his book got picked up and she was like in shock she was like sixty thousand dollars are you serious is that like even possible? Do you, do you think Carrie could uh, sell that much in paperback? And um, he said it's possible, you know, in the sense of you know anything is possible, type of thing. But it's really unlikely. And um, then he also reminded her, uh, we, you know, that that's a sixty thousand. That would be like a sixty thousand dollar deal for both myself and and my agent or publishing company or whatever. Um and he's on a 50/50 split with them. So that 60,000 would really be 30,000 to him and then obviously Uncle Sam takes takes his cut. So basically after all is said and done that 60,000 gets uh, split a few ways and Uncle Sam's greedy ass takes his his uh piece of the pie and he winds up with like fifteen or twenty thousand of his uh thirty thousand. But to them that, you know, twenty five hundred dollars was a lot of money. So imagine twenty grand. Um so, you know, she's ecstatic, he's happy as shit. You know, they're both on cloud nine, just like fantasizing about it like the way you would fantasize uh about, you know, what would I do if I win the Mega Millions type of thing? Or the Powerball or whatever. And, you know, the, they just had, like, a super awesome night. Then fast forward a little bit more, and I'm not sure how much uh, how much more forward, but um, I know it was Mother's Day in the story. And Tabby had gone with... Uh, their kids uh, to her mother's house uh, to visit her for Mother's Day and Stephen King stayed back at the house and he, I think he was working on like another story or something like that and the phone rings he picks up and it's his his agent guy his publisher agent guy and he asked Stephen King if he was sitting down and Stephen King, like, candidly responds, uh, no, because I have a 
phone with a cord, and our phone is located in the hallway, so there's nowhere <laughs> nowhere for me to sit. So, um, the other guy tells him that he has good news for him, that Carrie was picked up uh, by this national distributor paperback company, and that it was picked up for $400,000. That's 400K. $400,000. Stephen King then, you know, responds in shock and he's like, "Wait, excuse me. Wait, did you say $40,000? Like 40000?" He's like and the guy's laughing on the other line. He's like, "No, it's $400,000." And 200000 of those dollars are yours. Now, he says that he had a conversation with the guy for probably like half an hour, 45 minutes or something like that. But that he literally only remembers like two minutes of it, of the entire conversation. Then after he gets off the phone with him, he tries calling his wife over at her mother's house. And... She had already left to go back to their house. So what he did was go down to the to the town, uh, to the main um, where all the businesses are, to downtown or whatever, um, because he wanted to get his wife a gift now because he hadn't gotten her a gift for Mother's Day before because, you know, they couldn't afford that type of thing, um, getting each other uh, gifts and, and stuff like that. But, obviously, things done changed. <laughs> and um, he was now able to get her something. So, he goes down to the town, and everything is closed, uh, pretty much, except for this pharmacy that's open. So, he goes into the pharmacy, and he wants to get her, like, the most expensive thing that he could find, uh, which wound up being a, a blow dryer or hair dryer or something like that. And he went back to the house with his gift, and... I'm not sure if he had to wait for them to arrive or um, when he got back, they were like just getting back or something like that. And pretty much he winds up telling her the story or the recap of his conversation with the agent and um, all the money and stuff like that. And they hugged and cried and um, were super happy, obviously. And that's pretty much it. That's that's the story. So pretty much cut from go from a nine year old boy that has an obvious inclination and and wants to be a writer and a drive, uh a passion for it, to a young adult who's working an odd job and daydreaming and gets an idea for a story. Uh, that just pops into his head. Then fast forward to a uh, struggling family man, husband, father, uh, who has a day job but also is still pursuing his passion on the side and is able to burst onto the scene in such a powerful way. And... The money obviously is is awesome, right? I mean, none none of us would would uh, turn our noses up at at uh, two hundred thousand dollar check, but 
more importantly than that is his realization of his dream, his his realization of his hard work, his ability now to make his part-time hobby his full-time job, you know what I mean, and his ability to provide for his family in the ways that he obviously always wanted to. So that's it, guys. I thought that was that was an, an awesome story and definitely worth sharing. Hope you guys enjoyed it as well. If you didn't, then fuck you. Stop listening. <laughs> um, no, but in all honesty, though, there's the book is filled with gems like that and and inspirational, motivational, um, little stories and and just insight into one of the greatest to ever do it. And again, if you do not remember, if you haven't heard of it, uh, the book is called On Writing. Uh, it's a memoir of the craft by Stephen King. And I will actually put uh, in the show notes, I, I'll put a link to Amazon uh, to make it you know super easy to find uh, a link directly to to this book where uh, if you enjoyed that story want to hear more like that and again just get uh, insights into into the craft I highly highly recommend the book uh, definitely check it out I'll uh, again I'll put a, a link in the show notes so wherever you listen to this if it's on iTunes if it if it's on Stitcher at the bottom you know just click on it expand it uh, do what you gotta do to get like the little description uh, of the of the episode and uh, within that will be a link to to purchase the book. Aside from that, that's the episode. Please visit the website, www.spuntoday.com. Uh, check out uh, the free writing section, which I really enjoy. The Oats podcast section, uh, I think is a pretty cool thing. Uh, definitely check that out. We went over the details of that uh, in episode one of this podcast. If you want to read some shitty short stories, uh, there's a couple on there now, um, and uh, some amateur photography that I like to dabble in. Uh, check those those out also. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Spun Today on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter at Spun Today, and Facebook, Facebook forward slash Spun Today. As always, guys, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening.